Since the NBA All-Star break, the Sacramento Kings have won seven straight road games. Meanwhile, the Golden State Warriors have won only seven road games this season. <laughs> uh, sorry, got to be professional here. Kings beat the Washington Wizards. Another historic night for the Sacramento Kings. Keegan Murray was great. Kessler Edwards got the start. Terrence Davis was red hot. And of course, DeMontis Sabonis, despite getting his hand hurt by the Wizards again, dropped 30 points. You are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all playoffs long. Today, presented by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News back here in the ABC 10 studios celebrating yet another victory for the Sacramento Kings, yet another road victory for the Sacramento Kings. Like I said in the introduction, this is seven straight road wins. And what was great about tonight was that they cruised to it. Look, I made the joke earlier, although there's some there's, there's kind of some seriousness to it. Like, the Sacramento Kings, despite having an amazing season, have uh, probably affected the blood pressure and heart rate of a lot of their fans with the amount of close games that they've been winning and putting their fans through throughout the course of the season. That intensity is only going to ratchet up, and that maybe fear is only going to ratchet up when we actually get to the playoffs. Meanwhile... Tonight, the Sacramento Kings cruise 132-118. It's very nice, a breath of fresh air for the Kings to win by a comfortable margin against a team that they should be beating comfortably. Remember, the Kings lost to the Washington Wizards in Sacramento earlier this season, one of their few inexcusable losses so far this season. Well, they make good on it, beating the Wizards comfortably uh, on the road. Seven straight road wins. That is the second or the second longest road winning streak in the sack era history of the Kings. The number one is nine straight road victories back in 2002. And if you remember anything about 2002 other than how the season ended, you remember how good that Sacramento Kings team was. Well, this year's Kings team is now second to them with seven straight and a very good chance to make it eight straight as they wrap up this four-game road trip in Utah here in a uh, in a couple of nights. So for the Kings to continue to roll the way that they've uh, been all season long, there's no team in the Western Conference that has a better road record than them. There's only one team in the NBA, which I believe is the Boston Celtics, uh, that have more road wins with them at 23. There are a couple other teams in the East, I believe, that have 22 road wins. But Sacramento, they stand tall in the Western Conference which, with the success that they've had on the road, which is typically a trait. Road victories and road success is typically a trait of a experienced team who has been there and done that before. Of course, this Sacramento Kings team hasn't, but they seem to be ahead of schedule in a lot of ways and not in ways that suggest a fluke or flukiness, right? This team has proven at this point in the season, this deep in the season, they are everything but a fluke. And what was great about tonight's game, in addition to them winning on the road, despite, I mean, they they did have big performances, right? We'll get into the game that DeMontis Sabonis had, but... The Kings, once again, did it as a team. In total, in tonight's game, nine players finished in double figures scoring. The Sacramento Kings had six of them. And remember, 
They're without Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter did not play in this game. Kessler Edwards got the start for Kevin. We'll talk about that in a little bit because I think Kessler Edwards' king story so far has been really, really cool, really interesting, and, and, and a good representation of the Sacramento Kings as a whole and their organization as a whole. We will get into that uh, in the next segment. Well, we have to talk about what this Kings team did from the three-point line, right? 22 threes tonight. They went 22 of 37 from three-point range, 59.5%. Bill, thanks. Uh, big thanks to Will Z Stats here for this number that I took off of Twitter. That is the highest three-point percentage in Kings franchise history. Kings and Royals, I should say, with 25 minimum attempts. The Kings were shooting lights out tonight. Now, the Washington Wizards also started this game shooting lights out from behind the three-point line. Thankfully, they cooled off a little bit. The Sacramento Kings, towards the end of the first quarter, rattled off a 15-0 run and really never looked back in this one, building a comfortable victory um, from really the end of the first quarter through the second quarter and onwards until uh, until the end. Uh, Keegan Murray had five threes. Terrence Davis had five threes. Malik Monk had five threes. Harrison Barnes had two threes. Uh, Kessler Edwards had two threes. Davion Mitchell had two threes. And then Matthew Dellavedova had uh, one three. And everybody knows when Dellavedova's in the game, it typically means winning time for the Sacramento Kings. And Delly always cashes in with that, uh, that awkward but efficient three-point jumper that he has. The Kings also had... 34 assists tonight to only eight turnovers. That assist-to-turnover ratio is absurd. That is a ridiculous assist-to-turnover ratio. And again, it wasn't one guy. It's not like the Sacramento Kings have a, a Chris Paul or a Steve Nash-type player that is just a maestro passing the basketball. Of course, Tomato Sabonis is a really good passer. De'Aaron Fox is capable of having good uh, assist nights. I think he had seven assists tonight. But the Kings as a team do such a good job sharing the basketball. Now, it helps that everything they were shooting from the perimeter was dropping, and that high three-point percentage usually results in high assists. But the Kings' ball movement has been one of their biggest strengths throughout the season. From uh, a good majority of the season, I haven't checked the numbers and, and to see if they still lead in this category, but for a good portion of the season, they led the NBA in total passes. Not total assists, but total passes. Moving the ball is moving around. They're sharing the basketball. A lot of guys are getting touches in offensive uh, possessions. Sometimes the Kings pass up too many good shots, but a lot of times they pass up a good shot to get a great shot, and we saw a lot of that in tonight's game. Before we get into Kessler Edwards, before we get into uh, Terrence Davis, before we get into Keegan Murray, those are the three main guys that I want to talk about. Of course, we have to talk about the game that DeMontis Sabonis had, but also we have to talk about DeMontis Sabonis' hands. I'll explain in just a second. Tonight, DeMontis Sabonis had 30 points on 10 of 12 shooting from the field. They also went 10 of 12 from the free throw line. But Sabonis' field goal percentages are just nuts. Another great offensive game for him. Had nine rebounds, 10 assists, one steal, and one block. Demonte Sabonis just stuffs the stat sheet, right? Just stuffs the stat, stat sheet. And Rissay, who's uh, the wife of De'Aaron Fox, Rissay Fox, uh, she tweeted out, and she was absolutely right, like, we, we shouldn't ever get to a point where we take what Demonte Sabonis does for granted. And to me, what's just as impressive as the numbers that Sabonis puts up is his attitude and how he approaches the game, how he approaches being a teammate. He could easily come into Sacramento and could have easily come into Sacramento saying, I'm the former multi-time All-Star. I'm coming in. I'm taking over this team. This is my team now. I'm going to get my numbers here. I'm going uh, to take over as the guy here in Sacramento. He didn't. He came in and, and he's very much tried to support not just the Aaron Fox, but support the rest of this Kings cast. Like I've shared with you multiple times, guys like Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes have said before, Devonta Sabonis is one of the easiest, if not easiest guy 
uh, in the NBA to play with because he will look for you and always try and get you the ball and try and, uh, try and exploit or take advantage of your strengths and set you up for success. He has this mindset, but is still a player that is capable of having these big offensive explosive nights like he's had over these past couple of games. But the difference is Sabonis doesn't just go out and, 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 and stat hunt. He doesn't hunt for these numbers. He didn't decide to go out tonight and say, I'm getting 30 points tonight because I want to. I think this is only his third 30, I say only, this is a third 30-point game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. I may have that number wrong. But he's capable of scoring 30 points a night at a, a higher, uh, especially with how well the Kings move the ball offensively and how many possessions they get, how many shots they put up. Like he has, He's capable of scoring 30 points a night a lot. But he doesn't necessarily look to because his job is to facilitate and basically run everything on offense until it's fourth quarter Fox time, where Sabonis still is a great teammate puts behind or puts aside the fact that he's kind of been the centerpiece for the majority of the game and says, De'Aaron, where do you want me? You want me in the corner? You want me to set a pick and roll for you? What do you want me to do? Sabonis is just as great, if not an even better teammate than he is a basketball player and a stat sheet stuffer. And that's saying something because numbers like this, we know he can fill a stat sheet in a hurry. But let's talk about his hands. If you remember when the Kings played the Washington Wizards in uh, Sacramento, that was the night that DeMontis Sabonis broke his thumb. Well, tonight, thankfully, it wasn't his broken thumb hand, which is his right hand that was hurt. I think it was his left hand that was hurt tonight. And I want to talk about this play a little bit because, I, I mean, it's easy to jump to the conclusion that what are the Washington Wizards doing? They're targeting DeMontis Sabonis' hands, blah, 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 blah. These are two injuries that happened within the flow of the game. No malicious intent. However, I do think that how DeMontis Sabonis's uh, hand was injured in tonight's game, and thankfully he was able to come back. He was able to shake it off, return, and, and put together a fantastic uh, game, and the Kings win. But Sabonis injured his hand in a play that I think is fair to call dirty. Anthony Gill, if you go back and watch the play, uh, Sabonis is in transition, putting the ball on the floor, looking to attack the basket. Around the top of the key, uh, he goes and makes contact with Gill, and Gill, quote, attempts to take a charge, or at least that's how they're going to try and sell it and how they tried and sold it on the broadcast. Well, if you watch the play back, most players stand straight up, right? Feet set, maybe bend their knees a little bit and try and take it directly into the chest to draw that foul. Now, if their feet aren't necessarily set or they're still moving, it's a blocking foul. And it was called a blocking foul, which was the correct call. However, right before Sabonis and Gill make contact, you'll see Gill turn his shoulder and push his shoulder into the chest or into the arms and hands of DeMontis Sabonis. Now, I am a 160-pound man. <laughs> if DeMontis Sabonis were running at me, I would dive the hell out of the way because he would destroy me, right? So I'm not going to pretend I know what it's like to stand in the path of a man, a big man in the NBA with a nickname, The Ox, right? Takes a lot of bravery just to stand your ground. But in this scenario... Gill is not trying to take a charge. He's not. He is initiating contact with his shoulder. Now, I wouldn't blame him if it were to come out and he were to say on this particular play, I was just moving my shoulder to try and protect myself or try and stand my ground because this man was coming at me and I didn't want to take a shot straight on and get bold or mowed to the ground. Like, I get that. But if you watch the play back, it is he initiates contact with the shoulder right into the hands and arms of DeMontis Sabonis, which causes the hand injury. So what am I, I'm not saying that 
there needs to be a, 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 a uh, uh, any kind of fine or that it needs he needs to be punished in any kind of way or the league needs to take a look at it or that it should have been a flagrant foul in the moment. Like, I'm not going to go that far. But to me, it is a dangerous play. It's a play that should not happen. I'm okay with no flagrant call. I really am. But watching it back, because when I watched it in the moment, I thought, okay, DeMontis Sabonis, physical game, just two guys ran into each other, he hurt his hand, and it was a blocking foul. It was the correct call. Watching it back and seeing it over and over again closely and seeing how Gill initiated that contract contact and really put his weight behind that shoulder that went into DeMontis Sabonis, a little bit of a dangerous play. So Wizards, if uh, well, thankfully the Kings aren't playing the Wizards anymore this season. But Wizards and any other team, if you could refrain from uh, uh, targeting and, and hurting the hands of uh, the Sacramento Kings center, DeMontis Sabonis, we really would appreciate it here on Lockdown Kings. But ultimately, Sabonis able to overcome it. He was fine, put up that great stat line, and the Sacramento Kings get another win. Still going to talk about Kessler Edwards. Still going to talk about uh, Terrence Davis, Keegan Murray. That's all still coming. Plus, the Kings are biting at the heels of the Denver Nuggets. Sacramento has a chance at stealing the number one seed. Yeah, it's a real thing. We're still going to get to that in all a second after I tell you about another great sponsor here of the Locked on Kings podcast. It is time for our Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week, brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The Player of the Week this week is Malik Monk. He's been such a firecracker for the Sacramento Kings off the bench at times, had another uh, good performance for the Kings off the bench in tonight's game. We know he's exploded offensively for the Kings in the past, like when he put up 45 points uh, in Los Angeles against the Clippers. But not only is it Malik Monk's scoring that he provides in that three-point shooting that we were really excited about when the Kings signed him this past offseason, it's the energy that he brings, right? It's his uh, his ball movement, his distribution, his playmaking, which is something that even surprised me. But the best part about what Malik Monk brings, not just to the court, but to the locker room, he brings an energy, he brings like a goofiness, he brings a calmness that clearly this team feeds off of. He's brilliantly fierce, though, when he's on the floor, right? He's fierce, he's fiery, uh, he always has that scowl on his face, but in, in, in a playful way, he's the first one to greet De'Aaron Fox with their handshake every time uh, they do something cool or Fox has a big moment. I mean, he's fiercely elegant. He's even powerful when he attacks the basket. These are all words that summarize not just Malik Monk's game, but the new Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin-to-your-seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one electric vehicle, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at Nissan. Rather, shop now at NissanUSA.com. Kessler Edwards got the start tonight. Some people were a little bit surprised by this decision. I know a lot of people, including those who listen to Locked on Kings, have been campaigning and wanting Malik Monk to start. And they've been saying at times that Malik Monk should be getting the start over Kevin Herter, who, of course, was out in tonight's game. He's day-to-day -day, uh, with the hamstring injury that he suffered uh, in, in the Kings' last game in Brooklyn. Now, I've shared with you, and I've been very consistent with the fact that I think Malik Monk is in the perfect position. He's in the perfect role. And clearly, Mike, uh, Mike Brown clearly agrees with me because he consistently has kept Monk in that role, kept Monk in that spot. And just because he's not making Monk a starter, that he's choosing guys like Kessler Edwards or Terrence Davis or Kevin Herter over Malik, doesn't mean that he values those guys more or he doesn't think Malik Monk is a starting caliber player for the Sacramento Kings. It all has to do with how important 
Malik is to that second unit, how essential he is with that second unit. And Mike has tried to stay as true to his rotations as possible by plugging in Terrence Davis like he's done in the past or by plugging in uh, Kessler Edwards like he did tonight. He can keep his Malik Monk rotation pretty consistent. And you'll see when De'Aaron Fox is one of the first players to be subbed out and then Fox comes back in and he and Monk spend some time together on the floor. Those different looks, whether it's Monk and Fox together or Monk on the floor without Fox filling those minutes, those minutes are essential. And how uh, Malik has, has tackled that role and handled that role has been essential to the success of the Sacramento Kings over the course of this season. Malik Monk's six-man role is incredibly important. And I'm glad that he is not starting. I'm glad that he didn't start tonight. I'm also glad that Kessler Edwards did get the start. Look, Kessler has already one of the coolest stories on the Sacramento Kings. Just, just basketball stories, right? Think about this. The Sacramento Kings only made one move at the trade deadline, much to the chagrin of many of you. That one move was getting paid to take Kessler Edwards. They traded draft rights to some players for Edwards and cash considerations. Essentially, the Brooklyn Nets paid the Kings to take Kessler Edwards off their books and I think help them get under the luxury tax or at least handle their salary a little bit. That is incredible that the Kings got a piece, were paid to take a piece that after two games of kind of spotty minutes and other games where he didn't play, he, he started playing close to 20 minutes a night or around 20 minutes a night for the Sacramento Kings. Then after those games, now here he is getting his first start. Like in so many ways, Kessler Edwards is a representation of, of the Sacramento Kings and the Sacramento Kings organization. Here's a young man who not too many people know about, who comes in, who takes an opportunity and who has run with it and surprised a lot of people. Like the reason why Kessler Edwards got this opportunity tonight, the reason why Kessler Edwards has quickly worked his way into the Kings rotation is because he brings something on defense that Mike uh, Brown has been looking for all season long. He was looking for it in KZ Akpala, and while KZ did provide the defense, it was such a steep drop-off offensively that it didn't work, and now KZ Akpala is no longer on the team. Kessler Edwards has come in, still provided that defensive presence, has been asked to guard the best players, not just on the opposing teams, but some of the best players in the world in his short stint here in Sacramento. He guarded Devin Booker. Tonight spent a lot of time on Bradley Beal, right? Like, throw him to the Wolves right away, and not only has he held his ground and done a good job and been one of the best defenders immediately on the Sacramento Kings just because of his natural athleticism and his length as a wing, he has showed a fearlessness and a willingness to shoot the basketball, to space the floor, to sometimes attack the basket. Doesn't mean he always makes the right play and always hits the shot, but he's made the right decisions on both ends of the floor consistently for the Sacramento Kings, which has quickly led to consistent minutes and a consistent rotational spot. So I think it made a lot of sense even though he's more of a wing and less of a guard, I think it makes a lot of sense for Kessler Edwards to get the start tonight. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play starter minutes. He didn't. In tonight's game, uh, Kessler had nine points, went three or three from the field, two rebounds, one assist, only played 19 minutes. Going to talk about Terrence Davis, who played more minutes than him uh, in just a second. But Kessler got that job and got that opportunity tonight because of the work that he's put in in the non-sexy, non-flashy areas of the game. And look, we know the Sacramento Kings can score. Like, they put up over 130 points. They put up 132 points tonight where De'Aaron Fox only had 12 of them and, and uh, uh, um, Kevin Herter didn't play, right? The other night, uh, the Sacramento Kings uh, put up over uh, or almost 130 points in Phoenix and they didn't have a single player score uh, 20 points or more. Like, we know this Kings team can score. 
It's defense that's been the problem. And no, Kessler Edwards was not going to come in and fix the Kings defense. I don't think there's any one player that can come in here and fix the Kings defensive issues. They're going to have to grow and figure it out as a team. But Kessler at least comes in and addresses some of the need on that end of the floor and gives the Kings a presence, a wing defensive presence that they have been lacking all season long without them mortgaging or risking their spacing on offense. Kessler's done a fantastic job. He's clearly and quickly earned the trust of Mike Brown. He deserves a ton of credit for that, of course. And then the Kings front office deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Again, they got paid to take this player who is now a consistent part of their rotation. They got paid to take this player who got the start and earned it and is guarding the best players or the best wings on the opposing team consistently. They got paid to do that. Meanwhile, last year, they turned Marvin Bagley into Dante DiVincenzo and Trey Lyles. DiVincenzo was the guy that I was talking about. Most of us were talking about. He's no longer on the team. Trey Lyles, who didn't play tonight. Trey Lyles has become, arguably, other than Malik Monk, the best and most consistent option for the Sacramento Kings in that second unit. He's been essential for them, so much so that I think Trey Lyles should be a day one or day two free agent target and signing for the Kings. Monty McNair and his front office have shown an incredible ability to find minor players, and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean players with minor roles, non-starter players who have major impacts. Let me say that again. He's found players, minor players, who with minor minutes in a minor role can make and are making major impacts to winning basketball. That's what Kessler Edwards is. And good job to him, good job to Mike Brown, and good job to Monty McNair for figuring that out. Now, I do feel, and I did feel a little bit bad for Terrence Davis because this has been Davis's spot, right? Anytime Kevin Herter or De'Aaron Fox has gone down and uh, and the Kings need to change their starting lineup up a little bit, it was either Davion Mitchell or it was Terrence Davis. And Davis has had some really good games, right? Of course, he had that the the explosion on national TV when he put up 30, what was it, 31 points or something like that. He's had a number of 20-point games. Like, we know Terrence Davis is a microwave scorer. But again, we know the Kings can score. It's not offense necessarily that they always need. It's defense. So that's why Kessler Edwards got the job over him. Now, to the incredible credit of Terrence Davis, tonight he also got playing time because the absence of Trey Lyles. And he grabbed the bull by the horns, man. Terrence Davis tonight had 21 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 5 of 7 three-point range, 7 rebounds in just 30 minutes. Again, he played 30 minutes. Kessler Edwards played 19 so even though Kessler Edwards got that starting spot that Davis maybe could have claimed was his or it has been his in the past, Davis still played more minutes because Davis was on fire tonight. You couldn't take him off the floor with how well he was shooting. The first half, Terrence Davis came in and he was ready. And that's the biggest credit that I can give to Terrence Davis, other than the fact that he's been extremely coachable over the course of the season. There have been a handful of times where Mike Brown has pulled Davis aside visibly in front of everybody, and I won't say chew him out, but has given him a stern talking to, where, man, you blew this assignment, or you screwed this up. And Terrence has usually internalized that, taken that, responded to it, and then in the same game, made the adjustment necessary. He's done that multiple times in the game, and then Terrence Davis will go to the podium afterwards and on his own bring up the fact that he did something wrong, Mike held him accountable, he fixed it, and Mike showed him love for that. Terrence Davis is bringing that up. We're not asking him about it. I'm not saying, hey, Mike Brown was screaming at you on the sidelines. What was that about? No, it's Terrence himself going, I wasn't good enough. Mike pointed it out, I made the adjustment, and Mike continued to believe in me. I think that speaks to how well the Kings locker room period respects Mike because he does that for 
everybody on the roster, not just Terrence Davis. And it also speaks uh, very highly of Terrence and his willingness to stay all in. Like all the Kings who signed the contract at the beginning of the year, you're going to give 100% to what the Sacramento Kings are doing. Terrence Davis does that. And he stays ready, and he came in, even if he could have been upset or frustrated tonight that that starting spot wasn't his. He came in, and maybe he used that disappointment to fuel his fire. And he put up a great game for himself. He stayed ready, and it was a uh, just a fantastic night for him. Now, Keegan Murray. When I saw, I don't know, I had a feeling. When, when I saw the Kings starting lineup graphic, they, they, they published the starting lineup graphic. I saw it. And I just, I just had this feeling. I was like, you know, it's going to be a good game for Keegan because he's struggled a little bit offensively lately. Like, this is going to be a good game. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not really much of a betting guy. Uh, I, I choose to do it as a hobby and choose to have fun. I haven't really bet money on Keegan Murray at any point. Maybe I should have. But sometimes I've put my reputation on the line a little bit or what, what little basketball knowledge I claim to have, I've tried to put on the line with believing in Keegan from the draft process all the way to tonight. And I'm telling you, he has not let me down. He's had bad nights, don't get me wrong. He has not let me down. If you want your uh, to put your reputation in safe hands, give that reputation to Keegan Murray. Because he delivered tonight. Now, I'm not going to be the guy that puffs my chest out too much because here's a media guy who didn't do anything, taking credit or acting like he's the big shot when it's a player that's doing all the work and just making me look good. So I'm not going to be that guy necessarily, but I'm saying Keegan Murray continues to prove me right. Prove me right with the draft pick. It's proved me right multiple court, times over the course of the season with big uh, offensive uh, efforts and, and numbers. He's had good defensive moments, had an amazing defensive moment in tonight's game that have resulted in a blocked shot. And then tonight, when I think he's going to bounce back, he drops a 19-point, 5-of-10 three-point shooting night with five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a blocked shot. Keegan Murray keeps on proving me right. And check this out. If I had told you back on draft night, if I had told you, hey, this pick that the, Keegan, uh, that the Kings just made, Keegan Murray, not only is he going to be the right pick for the Sacramento Kings, but he is going to have more three-pointers as a rookie than Steph Curry did by the time his rookie season is done. If I had told you that, how would you have reacted? Probably a lot of you would have scoffed and laughed at me. Maybe a lot of you would have just said, I'm a, I'm a crazy homer and I'm overvaluing him. Or maybe you just would have been excited, right? I did not expect Keegan Murray to be this good from three-point range right away. I knew he was capable of it. And I knew he was going to get a lot of open looks just because of the players that he was playing with here in Sacramento. I didn't expect him to have 166 threes. 166 threes with still a handful of games to go, which ties Steph Curry for the seventh most in NBA history as a rookie. I think he's like 20-something away from in the low 20s or maybe even the high teens, but around that high teens 20 range away from setting the record for threes as a rookie. I continue to tell you, Keegan Murray was the absolute right pit for the Sacramento Kings, and he's not going to win the Rookie of the Year award. It's going to go to Paolo Bancaro. There are other rookies that are going to get more attention than Keegan simply because they're averaging more points per game. But Keegan Murray is the only rookie doing what needs to be done for a winning team. He's the only rookie starting on a team that is in the second seed with a chance to be at the number one seed. All these numbers I've thrown at you, here is the best number tonight. Here are the best numbers. 33 and 26. 33 minutes for DeMontis Sabonis. 
26 minutes for De'Aaron Fox. With a playoff race looming, hopefully a deep playoff run, any night that you can get a big win and your two-star players are playing less than their average, De'Aaron Fox not even making it to 30, that's almost as big of a win as the 132-118 final score. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. And this is a sponsor that I am really passionate about. Like, I, I love all of the sponsors that support the Locked On Podcast Network. But BetterHelp is something that really speaks to me. BetterHelp is something that's really important to me. What BetterHelp does is they connect you with licensed therapists who can take you on a journey, any journey that you need for for healing, uh, just to work through any kind of trauma or just day-to-day issues. BetterHelp provides you with those therapists and connects you with those therapists that you, I'm telling you, might need. Therapy is something that I always kind of didn't necessarily frown upon, but I always thought, no, it's not for me. I didn't have big enough issues in my life to deal with therapy or anything like that. I started seeing a therapist during COVID and it was the best decision I made. I'm still seeing my therapist. He and I have a really, really good relationship, a really good trust that have uh, have been established. My wife and I uh, go and see him from time to time together. I spend a lot of time individually with him. He's helped me with a lot of issues, things that I needed to unpack, some of which I wasn't even aware of and made me more confident, made me overall healthier mentally and physically. That's what therapy can do for you. And instead of going through the struggles of trying to find a local therapist or any therapist that you like, you can just use BetterHelp to help connect you with these therapists that you're looking for. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today. You can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. You know, I always thought the Denver Nuggets were a runaway in that top seed. Well, the Sacramento Kings and Memphis Grizzlies, to be fair, they're not letting the Nuggets cruise into the postseason. If the Nuggets really want that first seed, maybe they're going to have to fight a little harder than they intended to to secure it. So the Nuggets might not be able to rest their way into the postseason because the Kings and the Grizzlies are now both three and a half games back. The Sacramento Kings are three and a half games back in the number one seed. That's crazy. We're mid-March, and the Kings are three and a half games back of the number one seed. It is very possible. And check this out. Here are some of the opponents that the Sacramento Kings having a, uh, have coming up, right? After this final game against uh, the uh, of this road trip against the Utah Jazz, they have the Boston Celtics and the Phoenix Suns. Those are the next two games after this road trip is done. They also have games still remaining against the Pelicans, the Mavericks, and the Warriors. So some pretty formidable opponents. They also have like the Portland Trailblazers twice, but they have some tough games coming up, right? Here's the uh, here's some of the uh, opponents that the Nuggets still have to play this season. The Nets, good team, not great team. I think we all feel pretty comfortable in the Denver Nuggets beating the Nets, right? But it's not going to be necessarily a walk in the park. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Phoenix Suns twice, and the Warriors. Although... That game, the Warriors are on the road, so that might be a guaranteed victory for Denver just because of how bad Golden State is on the road this season. But still, some difficult opponents coming up. I point that out not to say, oh, it's a shoo-in that the Denver Nuggets fall out of that spot. Absolutely not. They've been the best team in the West. I think they are the best team in the West, and they're probably going to prove it. But it's very feasible that the Nuggets 
could drop out of that top spot, that the Kings or the Grizzlies could continue to gain that ground and snatch that number one seed away. And check this out. The Kings and the Nuggets play each other on the final game of the regular season. Now, I think most of us think or thought that that game, maybe the final couple of games, the Kings would kind of take it easy. After they secure a playoff spot, after they secure a top seed, hey, they can rest their guys a little bit and kind of cruise into the playoffs and get ready. I don't know if that's Mike Brown's strategy. I have no idea if that's what the Kings are thinking or not, but I think a lot of us, uh, we're excited about the Kings even being in that position to begin with, right? And we see a lot of teams do that. A lot of veteran teams who are preparing for deep playoff runs do that. Maybe the Denver Nuggets were hoping to do that. We might have a situation, and it would be pretty awesome to have a scenario where that final game, Kings and Nuggets in Denver, is for the number one seed. How crazy would that be? How incredible would that be? Now, the only issue is that game's a Sunday, and it's a Denver matinee, which means it's a 12.30 tip. If that game is for the number one seed, NBA needs to find a way to flex that or to push it back. It needs to be. It needs to be a national television game, and I'm sure the NBA would make the right decision if it gets to that point. I don't know if it will. The odds are it probably won't. But how cool for that to even be a possibility this late in the season, that the final game of the regular season between these top two teams could decide who gets the number one seed. Pretty crazy. Just another fun aspect of an already incredible fun season. I hope you are just enjoying the ride. With how well the Kings are playing this year, there's going to be a lot on their shoulders this offseason and next year, right? And we're going to talk about that a ton once we get into the summer months and fall months, right? The Kings will have expectations next year. The Kings will be expected to build upon everything they've done this regular season and everything they're yet to do in the playoffs. But right now it's all vibes. The vibes of this Kings team will never be the same again because this is just blissful, surprise, light the beam. This is fun. Next year, the expectations make it not as, not as fun. Hopefully, the Kings will live up to those expectations. It'll still be a great year. But the vibes will never be like they are right now. So enjoy these vibes. I'm enjoying them here on Locked on Kings. Many of you are new to the podcast or have only been listening this year. I get so many messages saying, hey, man, I just discovered this podcast a couple months ago or I discovered it this past offseason. Y'all are the best. I even got the chance to play uh, video games. I was playing Apex Legends with a couple of uh, Locked on Kings listeners recently, which was really, really fun. Uh, if you want to do that, if you want to play games with me and stuff like that, I'm a huge gamer. Uh, so connect with me on Twitter and we can uh, we can play games together and I can connect with you and chat with you that way. Of course, uh, f- seek me out and let me know if you're going to Kings games. We'd love to meet you there. You can always email me, Matt George, uh, or Matt George Sack at gmail dot, no, Matt George Sports. Don't even know my own email. MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. And then, of course, those of you watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts and uh, your comments in the YouTube comment section down below. I try and read and respond to as many as I can. Thank you so much for your support. As always, another Sacramento Kings win. Let's see if they can make it eight straight road games and a perfect 4-0 road trip before two tough games against the Suns and the Celtics. Looking forward to those two matchups. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then... My name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.